Hello, and welcome to this month's free Kinky Boys podcast. Uh, so we have a wonderful interview with English Leather Master talking about how to integrate kink with the rest of your life and how to find it empowering. It's a bit of a unique talk, and I'm really happy we did it because we went into some fascinating places. But before the show begins, I of course have to thank our patrons, particularly our daddy's favourite tier. We have a few new ones. So, Nick Bain, Out the Doorway, Adam Farris, Banjo Stewie, Brian C, Harry Hypnotist, Deco Verry, and Demon Boy. You are all daddy's favourite. If you'd like to be one of daddy's favourites, or just a show sponsor, or even just get the show a week early, please sign up to our Patreon. It means a lot to us and it helps me out in a huge way. So thank you. With that being said, on with the show. Hello and welcome to this month's interview. I'm really excited about this. We're talking about integrating kink with your life. Joining me is uh, my co-host Arza. Hello, hello. Hello. And today we have English Leather Master, uh, Matthew, joining us today. Hello, hello. Hello. Yes. So I'm sure many of our audience know you, but for those that don't, maybe if you could give a little introduction about yourself. So uh, a lot of me- people will know me from my very non-safe-for-work Twitter persona and, and videos that I put online. But actually, that's that's very much a side gig that I have. My My main job and purpose is as a life and executive coach where I work with mainly LGBT plus and kinky people on bringing their whole lives to the table and giving them more success and be happier and have better lives and work. Wow that sounds like very fulfilling work. It's really good fun I love it. Yeah so what how long have you been on the kink scene and what are your sort of interests? So I, I I have been involved in kink for longer than I, 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 I want to imagine. Way back when, when I was a student, I remember going to my first Pride and, and seeing sort of leather and thinking, oh, that's quite hot. But mm-hmm. I, I, I have a vague feeling I was in, I, I had a I had a a wet dream about a teacher in primary school who was wearing a, a leather shirt at the time. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but you know, I really got into it sort of in my late 20s, mm-hmm. so about 15 years ago, a little bit longer than that maybe. And I just, I started, as as a lot of people do or did back then, just sort of in the clubs, the hoist in London in particular, going there, meeting people, mm-hmm. starting to find what worked for me, what didn't work for me. And then back in the day, Recon used to have chat rooms. I don't know if you remember them. Uh, oh, Lord. No, no, I don't. But I got to Recon <laughs> late in the games. Okay, so I, I joined Recon while it was still called World Leather. It was World Leather Men for my version. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think they had several. So well, versions was, are gone now too. So most of our audience yeah. is like, "What do you mean versions?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. remember the yeah. URLs where you type in your kink dot yeah. dot com. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. So so this is a long time ago, and they they had chat rooms, and and the most interesting chat room was actually the puppies chat room because everyone else was just sort of trying to hook up because I was in a big relationship at the time or a, a, a relationship yeah. hooking up randomly wasn't really an option. Whereas the chat, the the pup room, you could play 
and you you know you, all that you need to do is say you know type throw throws a ball and all of the pups would have fun and and that sort of grew into me being in the in a sort of dom role and then I found out I liked it in person and then I started mm-hmm. to you know gather the slaves around me I did that thing that most doms do early on and they tr- they try to have as many slaves on their on their list as they possibly yeah. can and every every big-eyed sub who comes anywhere near them is suddenly collared within the first five minutes and... until they realize how much time care and feeding it takes per <laughs> sub it's yeah. like having a farm without the real estate investment i know and, and, and they're like i i'm serving you by by making you make the, all the decisions in my life <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> wait a minute what am i getting out of this again yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so so sort of ad, it, over time moved away from that and to what what is now a, a stable pack i've got two boys who i've had for, for over a decade and my partner who's also my slave and boy who i met almost four years ago now and then we got together full time at the beginning of covid when I, I I came back to the UK, I was living abroad at the time, and so yeah, so people will have seen seen him online, ELM sub, and that's who I am in five minutes. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's uh, quite a lot, and it's I mean, getting together with the sub right at the start of lockdown is, I assume that's a, that was an interesting process. I I I literally I was I had a ticket to go back to Bangkok where I was living and I was trying to work out I knew that this something was coming and I had to work out whether to go back and whether it would be safer there or safer in the UK and then once it was safer in the UK I had to think okay and and we realized that lockdown was happening I had to think where do I need to go I think most kinky people will will and adults generally will realize that living with your parents is a little bit of a a cock blocker blocker at times oh yeah so it's like chastity but worse yeah so (laughs) it was it was was parents or 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 with my my boy and and a very good friend of ours who he was he was lodging with at the time and i thought you know what i'll I'll go and stop them from killing each other and things progressed from there so it was it was a really interesting time Cool. So one of the things we're having you on here to discuss is you talk a lot about bringing your whole self to the table. Mm. And in particular, I thought that'd be quite interesting with aspects of bringing your like kinky self to the table. Because, you know, in the past, we've done episodes about keeping it separate, like making sure work doesn't find your profiles and that sort of stuff. So I thought it'd be interesting to do the opposite end. Yeah. So Let's start. So you're a coach. How did you get into that field? So it, it all came down to, to why I was abroad. So I was abroad working for an educational company. And I had been working across the whole of Asia with school leaders and teachers. And I th- I was then made redundant. They had a restructure. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, you know what, I, I, I've got some skills here in education. I can consult people. And I'll I'll add in. I, I remember doing some stuff about coaching in the leadership conference once, and I thought, you know, that sounded interesting. Why don't I look into that? Got trained up and started to coach educational leaders, and decided that actually I wanted to coach the people in my community. I'd, I'd spent too much time being non-integrated, where I was doing stuff at home and sort of hidden and then I had the per- the the professional public persona mm-hmm. 
and I didn't like that anymore. And I thought, well, you know what? There's going to be other people out there who feel split, who've got this feeling that they're 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 not able to to bring everything to the table. And that's where the the whole non-safe work Twitter came from. Was actually me going, listen, look, if I've done it all, I've literally done everything. So you don't have to worry about talking to me about that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's worked really well. Lots of people have come to me since then and said, you know what, I, that, that really resonated in that I can see someone who's a professional, but also into whipping the shit out of people or yeah. who's capable of talking for, for, you know, sensibly about business matters, but also gets the the click of a finger or the look in someone's eye mm-hmm. is just as powerful as a memo and i want to work out how to use those skills in two different places and that's yeah and it's it's been really i've i've coached some really amazing people through that process and it seems to be going well oh that's brilliant so so people may not understand what coaching is because mm-hmm. often they see like in like media it's basically someone brought in to help almost cheer someone along so what's it actually like in real life what does a coach do yeah I, you know what half the problem with coaching is well there's several problems with coaching one is that anyone can call themselves a coach mm-hmm. and a lot of people have done you know a day's training or if 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 that they've read a self-help book or two mm-hmm. there's a lot of coaches who are a little bit woo who are a little bit so if you were a flower right now, where would you be feeling this feeling? And I'm like, oh, really? I, that, that's yeah. not what I'm, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a bit more, so for, so for some people, coaching is a bit more akin to personal training. But I always used to say to my personal trainers, if you shout at me, I will stop doing whatever you're telling me to do. If you use sarcasm with me, then it's absolutely fine and I'll probably do it harder. So <laughs> it's it's about... it's about clicking into what that person needs. What I don't do is tell someone what to do. I don't give advice or try not to. And I don't, what they call cheerlead. I'm not like, yeah, you can do it. Go for this. I mean, that that sort of thing just drives me mad. And you do see it. What I try to do is I try to get people. So say you decided you wanted to close this podcast (laughs) and you didn't know how to explain it to to the other people involved in the podcast we would go back to the why before we'd go to the how so we work out what it is you're trying to do what your motivations are and once you understand all of that then you're actually much more likely to go through with what it is and it may be that actually it's nothing to do with closing the podcast it is that you want to rearrange your days so you don't do it on certain days or you want to do them more often or less often or you want to have, have different people so we sort of unpick the whole piece I sort of see it as getting my clients to if their heads were a handbag and they're full of junk they they throw it all out on the table and we look at it and go okay have you noticed that there's all of this in front of you so i ask really annoying questions and they do all the work and it's great (laughs) sounds fantastic (laughs) do you do you do structured like i I hesitate to say scripted because that has negative connotations but pre-planned exercises like uh, career coaches and others do no, not very, not very often. Some, obviously, you know, I'm aware of a number of them, and now and then there's some that are useful for some clients. But 
generally, I, I'll just pick them out as a as a an in the moment thing. I know some some career coaches and, and other coaches like that have a program where you know you'll have three sessions, and in session one we'll do a three sixty or a Myers Briggs or some sort of assessment. On session two we'll talk about what that meant, and on session three we'll we'll plan your life. And that is a way of coaching, and I think it's it's there's actually nothing wrong with it. But what I tend to find with my clients is they don't know what they don't know at the beginning, and I don't know what they don't know. And because my clients come from every walk of life, literally, it's I can't do that. And they they have so many different needs and challenges in their lives, so we just we just sort of dance together and 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 work out what they need. It's more extemporaneous and it's more dynamic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm hearing it's sort of your job to ask the right questions and get them to look at things in a new way they probably wouldn't be able to do by themselves. Yeah, a lot of the time it's about perspective shifts. And I mean, Mm. we're so stuck in our own heads. The number of times people have said to me, I've been going over this for ages. And it's only by saying it out loud, I notice how ridiculous that, that particular thing is. And I can now see an op- uh, an alternative option. And when I said I don't tend to give advice, now and then I'll go, you haven't mentioned this. Is there a particular reason? And sometimes they'll say, yeah, because I discounted that so early on that it didn't even bother it. And sometimes they go, you know what? I've never even thought of that. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and both of those are fine because it's not about me and it's not my change. It's their change. And often it's about sort of shifting them from sort of, instead of thinking from themselves they think about i don't know their customers or their the the subordinates work or their shareholders or what it will look like a lot of the time it's people are so faced with the challenge they can't think around what will happen after the challenge so they get completely blocked by the challenge and actually the challenge can get be disappeared very very quickly so yeah it's it's about helping people see things from a different perspective you're right Oh, that's really cool. So obviously, we are a kink podcast. We talk yeah. about kink. So what is meant when we talk about like bringing specifically kink to like their kinky self to the table and bringing their whole self to the table? So if you and I, I often give the example when I give talks and things of if, if you go on Google, uh, Amazon, and you look for self-help books, there'll be self-help books on anything. There's there's loads of self-help books written by fitness gurus and sportsmen and religious my, people. My personal favorite and a popular one in America is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah. Um, very <laughs> yeah. popular, especially in business circles. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but very few of them mention sex. And if, if, if nothing else, I've never understood why stress relief never has after have a nice bath and, you know, go for a walk in the countryside, have a wank. Because I don't know about you, but having a wank is one of the best ways of relieving stress for me. Totally. Beating the shit out of someone by, you know, spanking them is also a great stress relief. It might be not the best reason for doing the spanking, but <laughs> recognizing that that you but get catharsis. stress relief. Yeah, catharsis yeah. is catharsis. Wherever yes. you get it, yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, if you if you get if you get stress relief from from exercise, then you possibly would get, also get stress relief from impact play because it's the same endorphins being mm-hmm. released. So it's 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 just understanding that there's this big part of lots of people's lives 
that help the rest of their lives. And in in my particular incident story, my growth as a dom totally correlated with my growth as manager in work. Mm-hmm. So I was learning how to integrate with people. And I thought, I, I truly believe I was a better manager because you have those really deep conversations with submissives when you're when you're dominant yeah. about what makes them tink, tick, how to to f- tread that fine line between instruction mm-hmm. and guidance and ignoring and listening and all of those things and all of that then I put into my business life and lots and lots of people find that themselves. So that's that's what I meant by integration is is just you know, you've got all these skills and these resources in this part of your life. And if you're not talking about it with the people who are trying to help you move forwards in your life, then you're not going to key into all of that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's sort of like kink can really help you build a lot of interpersonal and life skills that are really valuable, but often people sort of segment them away for, well, that's for kink stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and the other thing I think that that we do very well as kinksters is understand personas. You know the 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 pup players will know this. That that the moment you put that pup hood on, you're someone different. And I used to to feel this when I was I was a teacher way back when. When I put my suit on, I was Mister Bennett. When I hadn't got yeah. my suit on, I was Matthew. And they were subtly different people. I'm not pretending to be Mr. Bennett or pretending to be Matthew. They're just different aspects mm-hmm. of me. And sometimes I bring my clients, the different aspects of my clients out by talking about those sorts of things. And and one of the nice things about kinky people is they tend to be quite intelligent because I think you have to be intelligent to realise you're into some dirty shit and, and then bring it all to the table. And they're, they're also very self-aware and that's great for coaching. Yeah, that sounds like a good uh, base to start from. Mm. So it's... so. If we could go through some examples, like what has your experience coaching like kinky people taught you or what lessons can people learn from this? What lessons? One would be that you've got resources throughout your life, that you are not, you don't have to be segmented. Mm-hmm. That, that even if you don't talk about your kink life in your work or with your family or even with your partner, then you can think about those things and and how that can how can that can make you better at whatever you're trying to do mm-hmm. more successful more effective more loving um so an an example of that would be right at the beginning of the pandemic one of my clients was talking to me and he was noticing he was getting really 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 stressed and we brought it down to the fact that he hadn't been spanked for ages and oh, really? spanking was his stress relief so by bringing that to the front and going, okay, I understand that now we're in lockdown. I can't see my play partners. What do I have to do to get rid of this stress? We could we could work with that. Not to interrupt too much right now, but yeah. has COVID sort of brought up a new angle to that as well with people who can't be together because of isolation, international travel restrictions or what have you? Have people come to you with new concerns based on that? Well, I, I actually started in September 2019, sort of fully. So I, I, I was learning to be a, a coach. It's always been a COVID world. 
yeah but everyone's talked about covid all the way through and yes all of that i mean i had people uh one of my earliest clients was just just before covid hit had just discovered this side of him he'd had one experience that was mind-blowing and then we spent five six weeks trying to unpick it and work out how on earth he's going to deal with this uh in a world where he couldn't meet anyone but yes there's, there's and i mean i think the, the the stories that i'm hearing the stories that everyone's heard throughout this whole pandemic is is the way that the world has stopped them from doing things but i think one of the things that it's also done is shown us what we actually want to do because we can all have you know oh i need to do this right now and then two days later, that thing disappears and I need to get out of my job. And then two days later, you know, you love it again. And yeah. the things that really yeah. matter to us have started to come to the fore. And they're the things that we really missed. And, and, I think and also, yeah, being partnered with a psychologist, I'll tell you that word need is one that people throw around a lot during good times. But during bad times, you learn need isn't always need. Is it want? Do you think you need so are those topics you've been teasing apart for people both in kink and professionally? Oh, I, I, anytime I hear any absolute, that's that's like coach heaven. Because I'm like, must, <laughs> need, must, have to, can't, shouldn't, should. It's like, where, where does that come from? Where's the book? Where, you know, where, where, uh, and that, that, that's, the, that's the stuff that, that is, is just, that's, that's my heroine when I'm, when I'm a coach. It's just like, yeah, I can deal with this. I can play with this one. Because that's the stuff where someone is not being self-aware. I would really like is is generally what need means. Why you would really like is the big question. You know, what is it you want to get out of that thing? So yeah, I, I love that. Nice. Yeah. So it's was going through examples. Yeah. So you brought about like uh, spank. Like they're not able to do the scenes and get the release that the spanking scenes normally bring them. Yeah. Other examples. So, other examples would be I've got I've I've got a client who's a, a CEO, and mm-hmm. he oh, there's so many he's, there's so many things I could say about yeah. him. Obviously, without breaking confidentiality, mm-hmm. and he knows that I talk about him a lot because he's he's just got so much that sort of epitomizes what I what I coach. But he's a CEO who recently discovered kink, and he in his work life he's incredibly controlling incredibly unforgiving of stupidity or making Mm -hmm. mistakes and all the rest of the things and then suddenly discovered this submissive side in him and the one time he shuts his brain off is when he goes and sits in a cage for eight hours with his master and that itself is a really classic yin yang sort of story and that that's been told many many times but what's really interesting about him is he's trying to unpick why his level of trust with his master is so much higher after knowing this guy for a, for a very a relatively mm-hmm. short period of time compared to the people he works with and have worked he's worked with them for, for years and even his own partner so it's and that's that's the kind of thing that where yeah. where kink gets really interesting is that why is it that kinky people learn to trust and have to trust each other really quickly 
and that that brings breeds trust it's not just that you won't go too far with the paddle or you won't me leave me in the cage and run off with my credit cards it's 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 more than that that it, it expands out to trusting you with your life and and the things in your life and it, your your and guiding well-being. you into something yeah your well-being um and I and I love that, and so we've we've talked about that a lot, and also how he can then turn that back around to his work and go, okay, so if you were to trust your colleagues a little bit more, your subordinates a little bit more, if you were to let go of the reins a little bit, if you were to stop being quite so micromanaging, how would that make you a better manager, a better CEO? Mm-hmm. So by by looking at that whole aspect of his life and then moving it between the different areas of his life, that that's worked really int- uh, really well, and it's, it's it's an ongoing conversation that we're having. Oh, so it's that's interesting because whenever I've heard people talk about like coaching, this it's always been about how they themselves experience things, but this sounds like he's taking what he's learning for his personal interactions through kink and applying it to other people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all the way through. I mean, and this is when, when, when coaching really works, it's about learning more about yourself. And Mm -hmm. then once you learn that about yourself, you see a pattern there, then you can apply it to yourself in other places, but also there is an education piece. And every now and then I will drop out of, the pure coaching where you just ask questions and say, okay, here's a model of a particular type of behavior or uh, a leadership model or something. How does this apply to you? How does this apply to the people you're working with? And often people will be able to say, oh, I'm like this in the bedroom, but I'm like this in, at work. And you go, okay, so what's going on there? What's the difference? What, what makes one more effective? Is that the right way around? Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever so yeah it's it's it, it's a it's, it's an interesting dance that's not just about that's this is where i suppose if if i go back to the the personal trainer analogy an okay personal trainer will teach you how to use the machines yeah or how to do specific exercises a really good personal trainer will tell you why you're doing each one and how you can then grow each each different part of your body knowing more about your body yeah i think that's a great analogy it's it really does interest me because in our in our everyday lives we do segment ourselves like you know there is the you you present at the office the you you present in the bedroom the you you present to family and we have all these things but i do find I think most people can understand where if you do that too much and like the you like at the office is too far from who you really are, it causes a person distress. It can grind away at you. Yeah. So this really interests me because it sounds like it's a good way to bring people close. Even if it's not exactly the same, brings people closer back to sort of the core them. Yeah, it's 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 that, but it's also... So there's several issues here. One, one, every single LGBT plus person, whether they're kinky or not, will know that moment where someone goes, oh, do you have a girlfriend? And you're thinking, <laughs> do I have to disclose at this point that I'm gay? 
or buy or, or whatever? Do I have to? There's, there's, or they go, why have you been to Gran Canaria three years in a row? And you think, oh. how much of this do I have to unpick for them to understand? And that brings in a level of safety to any conversation. And kinky people even more so that that you know by the people go he whips and chains <laughs> you know 50 shades of gray and think it's very funny yeah. for a moment but they won't understand the amount of energy time effort relationship building all of the rest of those things learning that goes into doing what we do yeah so just to <clears throat> jump in some people can be very reductive and just look at it as a sex thing mm. and not look at everything that goes around it the psychological component that goes with it, the artistry that can go with a lot of rope work and other mm. things. It's the same thing we run into in the furry fandom sometimes too, where people can be very reductive, look at one thing and latch onto it. And so if you say, for example, I'm kinky or I'm furry in that case, people don't get the totality of that and take it someplace a, a little lascivious as opposed to looking at the whole package of what people are getting out of it, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that 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 brings in elements of having to explain yourself, having to trust the other person to listen to you to to hold back judgment until they have heard the whole thing. You know, and and a, a common um element of that with with kinky relationships is poly they tend to be poly because we get mm-hmm. different things from different people. You know, we'll have one partner who's into rope bondage and another partner who's into spanking and another partner who's into piss play. And they are not always the same person. And then possibly we'll have another partner who's completely vanilla. And people don't understand that. And they don't understand that that really saps on the time. So, you know, if you're looking for another job, for example, that that can take a lot of time. And, And you're trying to work out where to fit everything in and then you've got all these pulls on your time and you have that that you know the pup who's who's messaging you going i need attention now and all of that and and you have to explain that and by not having those conversations and not putting that all on the table or having to explain it and having to go through it and feeling that no no just just wait because you're trying you're 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 not quite understanding why this is important to me, why this part of my life, this relationship, this play matters, then that becomes problematic. And and it does, it's, and then we could talk for hours on shame and where shame comes into all of this because all of us have been told that we're wrong, you know, by, yeah. by every single LGBT plus person, let alone every kinky person has been told that we are fundamentally wrong. Mm-hmm. Let, let alone, you know, society at large. I lived in Texas for 10 years, which made it just a misery because that that is a layer upon a layer of mm. people being judgmental. Absolutely. And and then, you know, I was talking to someone the other day who comes from, from Africa and he didn't even know what gay was when he got married. He just knew that he didn't really like the person he was marrying but that was expected and then 20 years later he's trying to work out what to do about this and and it's really really complicated and really really sad some of the stories that 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 people have to go through and some of it to be fair should be going to psychology or therapy or counseling and Mm. and there is there is a fine line with some of the stuff i do and and i'm very aware of that um 
and and alert to that and to some people I will refer on but for most of my clients it's a case of they they are where they are they are and they want to get better uh better at yeah. it so yeah cuz i mean shame can be a powerfully destructive thing we we've had an episode on the podcast before about this and it cuz it's quite a difficult thing to unpick when it's something you've lived with you your whole life yeah because it just sits in you and often going back to what you said about like asking the right questions to get people to change their thought patterns, it's sort of often you don't realize how deeply shame can affect you and how deeply it's changed your behavior until you really start digging through it. Absolutely. And it, com- it comes in in so many flavors too. Uh, just to like give two quick examples from my own life, there's a local, very kinky, extremely buff guy that, you know, I love to do more scenes with was in the military for years. And now that he's out, technically shouldn't be beholden to any concerns about people going, I just saw my CO, you know, in bondage, sucking a lot of dicks. (laughs) Yet he's still like, he will get all wound up. He'll send me messages. The minute it starts to materialize, he'll flake because he's totally ashamed of anyone knowing whether or not it's got a professional dimension or not that he's into kink. Mm -hmm. And there's a college freshman locally, same dealio where I'm like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm down for it. Absolutely terrified that anyone will even see him meet me and get into my car because he's just got this internalized shame and homophobia Mm -hmm. that it's, it breaks your heart to see it in someone. He's like 18 you know, yeah. you're you're an adult now, kid. Who's holding you responsible other than you with that shame? Oh, yeah, I, I, I could literally talk about this for hours. But I think that there's a stage in life that people go through where their relationships are everything. And the, the society around them tells them who they should be and what values they should hold. And if they feel that they're not part of that, they feel incredibly uneasy incredibly split and I, I i i was in vegas over the christmas period and i was i you know one day we we came off the strip and went into this dive bar gay dive bar and we were sitting there getting drunk and a little was, redundant but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and that there was this um this guy came in and he, he had a red hat, which made me go, mm-hmm. oh, okay. And he was sitting next to me and then he started talking. And long story short, he had been a manager of, of a, a major hotel. And I checked it out and all of this was true. He'd realized he was gay. And the amount of shame in in what he was talking about and trying to work out who to be when he was surrounded by other people who expected him and had, they'd had this picture of who he was and he had to break that. And this is just being gay. This isn't even, you know, being in bondage or, or submitting mm-hmm. to someone or anything. And it's just, it's heartbreaking, especially in this day and age that people have to go through that. Yeah. And it can be very difficult because you never know how people will react. Mm-mm. It's... So I'm not open about being kinky at work and it does in a lot of ways feel keep me back because I have so many life skills from the kink educations I've done, this podcast, the work I do for the London Leathermen on the committee, 
I have all these skills I could bring to my work life, but I don't have a way in because I can't talk about how I got them. No. Like, and- my, my colleagues think I'm probably the most boring person in the world because whenever they ask, so what did you do the weekend? I'm like, oh, you know, just sat at home, chilled, did chores. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you mean, and I, you know, so if anyone fans, finds me on on LinkedIn, my LinkedIn's mm-hmm. a bit a bit funny because I've got people from my old life when mm-hmm. I wasn't. I mean, I was always out as as a gay man, but certainly not as kinky, and I sort of don't want them to be guilty by association, yeah. especially as I've I've been working in in Asia where it's totally mm-hmm. unacceptable. I mean, being gay is slightly problematic and well, it's very problematic in some of the places I was working. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it is, you know, what I'm not doing is, is waving a flag saying everyone has to be, you know, leather three, six, five, where, where your kink gear to, to work person. I don't think that's, I don't think that's what I want. I, I always used to like it when I'm sitting there in work meetings and getting messages from subs and, and everyone's sitting around talking about, you know, graphs and charts. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I've actually got a good life. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the only, the, the most exciting thing other, other colleagues can come up with is what their child did over the weekend. And I'm like, you, you, you have no idea yeah. what I was doing at the weekend. <laughs> it's, it's that moment you're back in, in, in and they're, they're like so what were you doing over easter and i was thinking well i was having my boots licked on the top of a boat on on the on the mm-hmm. river in berlin while eating gatto in full leather nice uh, it, it, but i can't tell you about it <laughs> yeah they'll sometimes ask questions at work that they think they want the answers to and if they had just stopped for one moment they would have realized they didn't when I, again in <laughs> texas one time there was a team building exercise where i was working at the time I'll, I'll give you a hint. They're a phone company that keeps asking if you can hear them now. <laughs> and what happened was they went, okay, so who's got a tattoo? And it was like this like taboo thing. They went, oh, I've, I've got like maybe this one little thing I thought about doing. And then I walk in a little bit late. They went, what about you? And I start giving off this inventory and you see everyone's eyes just sort of going wide. <laughs> as they're like, how many? What, what, how much? <laughs> Work sometimes steps on that landmine themselves. Yeah. Yep. My, t- so my my three boys have got um, uh, a, a, a tattooed symbol on them, and one of them has been regularly asked, you know, what, what is that for? And he'll say it's it's a symbol of a higher power, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's an awesome answer. Mm. I like it. <laughs> so I, I have a question. Actually, mm. this is something that I've always wondered about. Maybe you've heard this perspective from your clients, but I often wonder if those of us who sort of grew up sort of the nerds or the outcasts or not fitting in and who were criticized anyway, have an easier time in your experience getting over some of these barriers than people who were say popular or mainstream or, you know, the, the golden boy of their family, that sort of thing. I'm, I'm laughing because yes, Yes, they do. <laughs> so I've had this theory for a while. So uh, there's there's a theory and, you know, if you're interested in this, go to my website, EnglishLeatherMaster.com. There's a series of webinars I did. And there's, there's a couple on a, a guy called Robert Keegan who came up with a theory of, of adult development. And the long story short version, there's five stages that people go through. Most adults are stuck at stage three. 
Um, and stage three is the one I was talking about before, where your relationships tell you who you are. And the best way to think about this is to think about, I don't know, ultra-religious sects or North Korea or even some of the really, really hardline political movements where everyone around you is saying, this is what you should believe. And you, you integrate it in, in yourself. And I think that the nerds and the outcasts, and back in my day, the gay people, LGBT plus people, were told by society, you're not part of us. So they immediately jump to the next stage, which is where you're like, okay, this is what society says. And I've built my own house that's fabulous on the side of this. And I've got my own rules. And and, yeah, we'll take some bits and pieces that come from my upbringing, because we all do. But I'll take them with a pinch of salt and I'll question them. So yes, I think that that is the case, is that, that if you were pushed aside at school or or by the people around you then you go off and you search for for who you truly are and the reason i say it's slightly different now is that what i think is is quite easy now is to find your tribe online yeah um but what i'm noticing is that younger people find their tribe but their tribe is a, is like a microcosm of a of a society that says now you're part of this particular fandom or this particular mm-hmm. kink world. You still have to think these things that the rest of us think. And even if it's, it's, it's little things like if you're part of this, you have to have these pol- political views. And I'm like, well, well no, because I've, I, I knew a club that, that was, it was, it, was, it was focused on a particular type of sexuality, but it broke itself up because of their political views. And I'm like, but, but that doesn't make any sense. And they, 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 they're, they're two different things and why can't you have you know why couldn't you have both right and left within the same group of people based on the sexuality or you'd have people who I'm, I'm noticing a lot of younger people who think that you have to be into fisting or the, the, you know the dildos are getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. because the the, yeah. the 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 society the micro society they found online says you have to have an ass that can take you know billiard tables inside let alone billiard balls and 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 that is a bit scary because it's getting people stuck in that stage three where the society is telling you who you are yeah yeah i think there are i'll I'll let you go first great i was just going to say yeah you see this a lot especially if and it is that sort of self-feeding what's the word i'm looking for not expansion. It's that sort of self-feeding idea of extremes are always pushed. Mm. You see this with chastity. Like mm. you talk about fisting, chastity, the sort of online space for chastity, like Twitter and that, is gets really extreme with like, you know, being locked up as long as possible forever, like locked up, dictated by how many retweets you get with no thought to safety capability, anything like that. And it just is like this cycle where it feeds into itself and people see more and more extreme stuff and that becomes the norm or the baseline they expect to be able to perform to. Yeah. 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 And, and the thing I was going to say is I think there are, there are two dimensions to this. You mentioned the online component and as someone who's in IT and has been online since before, you know, mainstream society found the internet and, and dinosaurs were still wandering around and not in tar pits. It, the internet just makes it too easy for people to think, well, I joined this chat 
So now I'm into this and I'm, I've got some level of building expertise, but when they're confronted with the real world experience, like someone will talk a good game about, yeah, flog me. When they finally have that in real life, there's a certain cognitive dissonance where they're like, Ooh, that hurt. I'm like, well, what did you expect? (laughs) It's a flogging. I'm not having kittens lick you. So there's, there's that one part where I find there are a lot of people who build an identity on the internet, kink-based, that is incongruous with what they actually are into physically and and enjoy participating in. So just, just changing subject slightly, Arza said earlier something about shame, and I just wanted to, to, to come back to that, because one of the things I do in my more explicit life is I, I do a lot of custom videos and things, and a lot of them involves shaming aspects and and this is something that's always always intrigued me in that is it wrong to make some fun of someone's you know body issues or their their the size of their penis or mm-hmm. their height or the, the color of their skin and one of the things that I've I've found I make peace about that is the fact that by being able to enjoy it in a very safe space where you know that you have asked for this from a dominant and you've said, can you please make fun of this thing? Can you shame me for this thing? You then regain, you you reclaim that shame and it becomes yours and it becomes yours to, sh- to, to play with. And this is one of the things I think that kinky people are very good at is going, okay, this is an interesting dark area of my mm-hmm. my psyche can I can I look at it instead of just hiding it away and knowing that it's there and that feels really it's it's shameful it, it makes you broken and it's it's you know it's the whole pink elephant don't think of a pink elephant don't think yeah. of a pink elephant you're going to think of a pink elephant don't feel bad about x aspect of you your person if you can bring that to the fore then you can enjoy it and that's where the the the, the whole kink world is really good at saying okay let's let's find some boundaries to keep this thing that felt awful outside let's let's explore it in a safe space in a fun way and then we can break it apart and then you look at it and you go you know what it's fine I don't actually care about this and I've heard those words said to me and I was enjoying it while I was they were being said to me and now when someone says to me those words you know across the street or in the Mm -hmm. gym locker room they don't matter as much. They don't mean as much because I've, I've taken the power out yeah. of that. And I love that. It's like Eleanor Roosevelt said, the only person with the power to make you feel inferior is yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's really cool because it is that thing of if you take something out of the shadows and look at it in the light and turn it over and examine it on your own terms, it saps all the power out. Well, not all the power out of it, but most of the power out of it. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I think that's that's. It's one of the 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 other nice aspects of of what I do mm-hmm. is I'm, I'm able to take take that out and and we we get that get get the toys out. We put them out mm-hmm. and we go. Okay, what is this really about? And where's this coming from? And do we need to worry about it at all? Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about examining some quite. Uh, big things like about what brings shame and how to play about with that and neutralize it. When people are doing this and sort of working to integrate kink into their lives, what are some of the pitfalls 
people like often fall into? I, I can give one example from experiences. Okay. I know someone who really integrated his kink life so much with his work life. He would sometimes bring in subtle and not so subtle pieces of kink gear to leave on his desk at work or to wear on his person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, rather extreme uniforms. And it, it definitely brought about a sense of discomfort with his coworkers because in a way, uh, whether they could articulate it or not, they felt like they were sort of being drawn into a scene or being told mm -hmm. this is on the menu in the workplace. Here I am. Yeah. And I, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, I mean, I've, I've not come across this with, with, with my clients very often, but I, I kink is about consent. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing a kinky scene in front of other people and it's something that they don't want to see, for any other reasons that they're just homophobic or, you know, I don't know that I need, I, I certainly would never do a humiliation, you know, puppy play as in bring someone out on four on, on all fours in front of kids. It just feels a bit um, unconsensual. And uh, or, or wear strangely revealing clothes. Yeah. Yeah. This is showing, you know, if you're just wearing leather, so what you know you're as long as your, your wobbly bits are covered up then then and then there's nothing wrong with that i think it's it's that that play that bring brings other people in into it um i can probably never get a mainstream job again because of what i've been doing mm -hmm. i mean so from that point of view there's a there's a drawback but i've i made that decision very very consciously and i think that may be the biggest thing is that you have to make every decision consciously and one of the the big pitfalls of things like OnlyFans and Just for Fans is it made it very, very easy for people to put all of their bits and pieces out there, and even Twitter, and they're very easily found for the rest of their lives. You know, I've I've seen my videos as part of compilation videos now. There's no way I can get rid of them from the internet yeah. if I needed to scrub my my personality at some stage. I've also been very explicit about my name and I I I, I had lots of sleepless nights about whether to use my my real name. Um and I decided I had to because I'm accredited by uh the International Coach Federation and they use my name. So it's it's link mm -hmm. it's it's a way of linking it. But also because otherwise I'm not practicing what I'm preaching. But I did that intentionally and yeah. I did that with open eyes. And I'm old enough that I, you know, I'm, I'm halfway through my career. I'm fine. Whereas if you started doing that at 20, you've got a lot of career left that you can look back on. And I do think there's going to be a point that everyone's going to be like, what, he's got a sex tape? What do you mean he doesn't have a sex tape? Yeah. That's going to be much more sh shocking. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to those days. But I think I think it's it's mainly that. What what can't you go back on? Yeah, I, I, like there's also an element to this of how valuable are you at work? Like I see people mm. in the tech sector being able to be quite open about their their like personal lives because they know how much how rare their skills are and how much value they bring to the company. And they can make well, that also, a way up of like, well, yeah, they probably don't like this, but they also know what will happen if they get rid of me. Well, it's also startup culture. And, mm. and that I can speak from, from professional experience because I've worked for a, a ton of startups. <laughs> I'm working at one right now that could be vaguely considered a, a successful startup that got bought. 
And the culture is very bohemian. Your individuality is encouraged because it's viewed as part and parcel with your creativity and your ability to problem solve in unique ways. My employers tolerate me creating complex computer systems named after AIs and Star Trek because they do wonderful things. And they also accept the fact that Bear is kind of weird in the office and that's okay. But at the same time, I also don't go, yeah, you know, boy, I was really hoping to go to this convention this year and just get people into bondage and in fur suits and do this and pet suits and this. They don't, they don't need to know about that. No. They just, you know, they address, they address me as, you know, bear. They know more or less my capabilities and that perhaps my life is not off the rack. And that fits in because there are so many other people at the office like that. Yeah, I, 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 it, it, I, I think that's that sounds really healthy, and I do think there's part of being kinky that that you don't tell everything, that you do have this secret life, that you do have these things that you go, you do, you really, really don't want to know what I was doing last night, and and that feels special and fun, and if it's all out there, then it's a bit, it, it, it loses that element of 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 fun, um, you know. So that's that I can I can definitely see both sides of that. And as you say, I think, you know, with my my last job, I had a so I was I was going for this big directorship across <laughs> Southeast Asia and I had to do they I had to go through these searches where they searched my social media profile. This is obviously before I became what I I am now. Yeah. They they and you know, you don't want to be doing that in 10, 10, 15 years time and f people to find things without knowing that that might happen and being ready to have a conversation with your next line manager saying, you know, this isn't going to be an issue. Actually, it's interesting you should bring up social media. That became such an issue in America. It was outlawed. They can't, they can't ask, hey, what's your Facebook? What's your this? Because employers were getting to the level of saying, give us your login right now in front of us and we want to log in and look around. Yeah. So I'm glad they've started to put a barrier there. The scariest moment of my life was when I left my mobile phone in the toilet in Dubai Airport and then went through passport control and suddenly remembered I'd left it in the loo. And then the next day I had to go back and because it was a high value item, the police had it. And in order to prove it was my phone, he asked for my PIN number to open my phone. And I was like, shit, there are... Well, the pictures, the the apps, the, the, you know, yeah. this is this is this is jailable stuff on that mm. phone. I, I would have been screwed at the lock screen. They just would have picked it up and gone, "Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> all right." Yeah, so that 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 I I need to to learn how to use the the hidden hidden picture element yeah. of my phone in the future, <laughs> or a burner if I go to to, mm. to the to the Middle East again. Yeah, very much so, and. One of the questions I have to ask is when people are sort of doing this work and like unpicking their own thoughts and really sort of opening themselves up, is it often a lot rougher than people expect? That's a good question. Um, not rougher. I don't think it's like there are some therapies where they say, you know, you'll go down before you come up again. Yeah, that's what got me thinking about this. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not quite like that because it's more solution orientated. But it is more I think I remember when I was first told about 
life coaching that I thought, you know what, I don't need that. I can work myself mm-hmm. out. It's more about the fact that there's more of you that you actually don't realize and you don't notice your own behaviors. And the number of times I'll say to a client, you realize you've used this word four times in the last 20 mm. minutes, or you haven't said love when you're talking about your partner in two sessions, what's going on there? And they'll go, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever it is. <laughs> and that, that I think when people realize how, how, how little self-awareness they have and what what's really scary is when you realize that everyone else knew the stuff that is really obvious to the coach and it's like yeah ask your colleagues they know this <laughs> but you didn't <laughs> and even if that's just like monday mornings are absolutely terrible for you and you know that because you've been partying all weekend your colleagues know that but you've been pretending that it's all fine and you keep putting meetings on on monday mornings what's going on yeah so it's it's not so much rough as yeah just uncovers things and and it's a bigger learning process i think people people often come to me thinking that what we'll do is they'll they'll say out loud what they want to do they'll say it to a dom sometimes people like i want you to be a dom to me and i want you to tell me to do it i'm like that's not what i do first of all that's that's making me work harder i don't want to work any harder than i do already but also it's it doesn't it means that you're being external about your 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 needs and i'm going to push it into you and make sure you need to do it and sometimes people come back and after you know i've had a number of clients who on their first session have said i want to do you know weight loss or read more or travel more or change my job and by session three, they're like, you know what? I don't want to do that thing. That thing. I actually want to do this because that's what really matters to me. And I just thought I had to do that because that's what I feel I had to yeah. do. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a fascinating field to get into. It's like, it sounds like you really help people and you get to bring like the best out of people, which I think is a really good thing, especially when you can bring like, you yourself, you know, as you say, you don't hide any aspect of your life. It's all in one go. Yeah, I, 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 I try, and 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 I mean, ultimately. So the, there's 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 two little secrets here. One one is that I'm a massive rescuer. Mm-hmm. I want to help people, and I used to help people all the time by mm-hmm. telling them what to do, or by finding the solution, or by you know carrying their bags across the road for them, whatever it is. Instead of getting them to help themselves because the problem with being being a rescuer is you stop them from becoming better and stronger in them in themselves yeah and again as a dom it's I bad think, for you too and yeah it's and this, bad yeah it's it's stressful and it means that i end up carrying everyone else's baggage mm-hmm. and 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 worrying about them and and living their lives and 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 then if i can't then they fall apart anyway so that that's not no good at all so it's great to be able to help people without rescuing. And the other thing it has to be said is that you learn about amazing things about people's lives. I mean, it's one of the things I always loved about kink is that you get into people's lives deeper, much faster. Yeah, I've known more about my play partners and my subs' lives much, much faster than most mm-hmm. boyfriends and girlfriends would have done, let alone their colleagues. And 
doing this in coaching it's you go even deeper into people's lives and it's it's fascinating and it you know it, le- it teaches me about myself as well because you go oh shit i do that all the time <laughs> <laughs> you know don't yourself don't do what customer just did exactly <laughs> oh i see a pattern here <laughs> and i like you know we're just the same and i say that far too often and it's terrible <laughs> it's just like oh yeah and i know that i do this and because you, you've said that three times and I've seen it three times in my own life, then, then we, we, we both need to sort this out. How are we going to do that? <laughs> or how are you going to do it for you? And then I'll work out me. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. So do we have any final questions? Do you, well, I guess this will go in the show notes, but do you have any contact information for your business you'd like to share? Yeah, so the the most important one is is my website. So that's EnglishLeatherMaster.com, which is safe for work, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been, I've been giving webinars for some very straight, very prestigious businesses and, co- and coaching businesses. And you know what? I'm, I'm giving them that because that's that's who I am. That's what I do. And so, yeah, that, that's that's my, my main website. Twitter at ELM Coaching um, is the, the safer work version. Yeah. <laughs> at English Leather M is the very, very non-safer work version. And Insta, English Leather Master. So I'm I'm all over the internet, and I apologise profusely if you stumbled onto me on on one of the the tube sites and you've seen bits of me that you didn't need to see. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, sorry, very not sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure many people will have enjoyed seeing them as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if you did, the, the keywords you're putting in are disgusting, and I love it. <laughs> uh. But well, this has been great. It's and I think not available in all areas. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not in Utah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Utah is nothing but disgust. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great and very enlightening. Like, I think people should check out your website. I, I've had a lovely time talking with you. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really, really enjoyed this this yeah. conversation. Well, I'm sure there's many more things we can talk about. So you're welcome to come back on any time. Well, any time you yeah, want. Yeah, I love to blather. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So listeners, I hope you've also enjoyed this. And as always, play safe. <laughs>